Good afternoon and welcome to Relationship Building and Storytelling as the Keys to C-Suite Success, a Health System CIO Media Inc. production. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box. We'll take those later in the program. Nice way to view the screen, click on the top center, get it in side-by-side -side mode. Then you can adjust the divider to get the video boxes and the slides the size you want them. And it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today. First, we're going to have our main panel discussion featuring Chuck Christian, VP of Technology and CTO with Franciscan Health, Cletus Earl, SVP and CIO at Penn State Health, and Tanya Townsend, System SVP and CIO at LCMC Health. And then we will have our audience Q&A. So a lot of good stuff to talk about in this webinar, and we're going to jump right in. So Chuck, can we start with you? Can you give us an overview of your organization and your role? Sure. I'm happy to do so. Thanks very much, Anthony. And it's, it's great to be with my uh, colleagues uh, uh, that I've known for a long time. Uh, I'm the vice president of technology and CTO. Uh, what I typically tell folks, if it's broken, it probably is my fault. Uh, <laughs> I uh, own all the infrastructure uh, and uh, the service desk, and uh, we're a 13 hospital system that with hospitals that go south of Indianapolis all the way to Chicago. We have about 400 other locations, physician practices, imaging centers, uh, lab draw centers, uh, uh, and urgent cares, those type of things, and I have the pleasure of uh, connecting all of those uh, as well. So small organization, we've got about 29 to 31,000 people, depending upon how you want to count it. So, uh, and we are a Catholic big C uh, organization. So, all right. Very good, Chuck. Thank you. Cletus. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, Cletus Earl, uh, Senior Vice President, Chief Information Officer for the State Health and the College of Medicine. I too want to thank you uh, for inviting me here uh, to be part of this panel. Uh, for the most part, uh, Anthony, this is a very interesting dynamic because uh, we, you have two um, previous chairs of Chime and now the current chair of Chime. You know, it's Tanya. It's actually amazing. You know, again, Tanya, so much uh, respect and credit for where she is, and you know, giving her that support. Um, I, from my perspective, you know, again, in charge of all things, um, are responsible for the health system in the College of Medicine. Um, we we are uh, advanced research R1 facility. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, we have approximately eight or nine, depending how you look at the joint ventures uh, facilities uh, that we, we operate in central Pennsylvania. So um, in charge of all things, when it's, whether it's research, health sciences, humanities, as well as the typical um, uh, uh, Penn State health, you know, health system uh, elements. So very interesting dynamic and element and looking forward to a great conversation today. Very good, Cletus. Thank you. Tanya? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks, Anthony. And um, thank you for the, the shout out, Cletus. Thank you for teaching me everything you know as the former uh, Chime Chair. Um, so it's, it's great to be here. A little bit about my organization, LCMC Health, stands for Louisiana Children's uh, Hospital Healthcare System. 
Um, so we don't go by that name, that full name, it's LCMC Health. Um, we were founded by Louisiana's only freestanding children's hospital, which is Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Um, we've grown into a healthcare delivery system across New Orleans and the Gulf South. We are six hospitals today. Um, children's, of course, remaining our, our founding member, but uh, we range from pediatrics all the way to um, level one trauma center with the university medical center and kind of everything in between. Um, we are an academic teaching organization with uh, LSU and Tulane as our primary partners, teaching the next generation of uh, clinicians and physicians. We are 12,000 employees and about 2,000 beds. Um, and it's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions. So I've been here now as the first CIO of the organization for seven years. So it's been a, a lot of tackling uh, technology challenges as we bring this organization together into some standards and a central IT model. Um, so looking forward to the discussion today. All right, Tanya, thank you very much. All right, Chuck, we're going to start with you. Why is relationship building a key executive skill? And when and how did you first realize this would be important in your career? Well, uh, thanks, Anthony, uh, for sh uh, uh, shoving the first question to me. So, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is that um, when you get into the, 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 you know, the realm of leadership and everything I'm going to say is my humble opinion. So is that uh, when you're managing groups of people, and so I'll, I'll tell you a story uh, about the, my first uh, advent of leadership, and actually it was in supervision. I, I'm a radiology tech. Uh, I, that was my first 14 years of my career. And so uh, I was gifted uh, to become a supervisor in that department. And the people I supervised were the ladies who taught me my uh, first uh, vocation. So I learned very quickly that, uh, you know, I was raised in the South, and I don't know if you've ever managed strong Southern women that were professionals, uh, but it is a, it can be a challenge. Tanya's smiling. She's down in New Orleans, so she understands. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, you have to understand that, you know, getting the work done is through other people. You're not actually doing it. Uh, and I learned a long time ago that it was easier to lead by example. Uh, and create great relationships with folks uh, because it, it, the, the great leaders that I've had an opportunity to work with, I do my best because I don't want to disappoint them. Uh, I, want, I want to be successful because I, I'm doing their work that the organizations need to be done. And so learning those skills of relationship building uh, in any CIO who has ever implemented for the first time, either an EMR or physician order management, understand that building those relationships and uh, in, in key relationships is, uh, is important. And if we have an opportunity, I'll, I'll tell you about uh, what I learned about implementing uh, or, and upgrading and changing EMRs and physician practices and the relationships that are required to do that. So. All right, very good. Um, lots to talk about there, Cletus. You know, uh, this is a, and in my opinion, uh, the central point of the success or lack thereof of success for a CIO is the component of relationship building. I've learned early in my career that it was absolutely essential to know and, and connect with the physicians and, and executives and leaders 
and being able to understand, but not just those folks. It is essential to have executive skills and relationship building with everyone in the organization, rounding and being able to hear not only your nurses, not only your doctors, but also your environmental service people, your people that are actually, when you have your ear to the ground and building relationships with them, they will tell you the real deal. They'll tell you the real story. And it is only at that point that you're able to help. You know, unfortunately, um, you know, there's two schools of thought, um, particularly in technology. And, and there's one school that they're, you know, I'm the, I'm smart. I'm the smartest person in the room, right? That you hear that a lot with technology, you know, um, and if you've ever, uh, you know, purchased a computer and, and called the help desk, you, you've, you've experienced that, right? You know, that you're, you're not the smartest person. And, and then there's the other dynamic, which is we are here to serve. And once you have that mindset in play that you're here to serve, and it serve anybody, anybody for who we are actually um, supposed to take care of. It's building those relationships, not just at the executive level, but at the, what I call it, the, the, at the street level, right? At the, the area where the people are actually having the most concerns because those people will then complain to their, their supervisors, which to complain up and it will always get there. So I, I really encourage everybody that you know, as you, you journey through your career and, and continue to navigate, you know, do not take for granted what relationship building is. It is absolutely essential to how you operate. Very good, Tanya. Yeah, um, great, great answers from my colleagues here. So I'll try not to be too repetitive, but um, I would say, I, I call this the, the get out of IT. So even though we're responsible for IT, I call it getting out of IT and understanding the business that you're in. Um, we definitely are here to serve and there's very little that we can do as an IT department that doesn't require buy-in support. Um, very little that we do kind of behind the scenes that we can say is our success. But in order to really tell our story and make sure that we're serving the organization, we need that relationship to set goals, create objectives. Um, how do we partner on measuring results? So I, I definitely learned that early on too, of really understanding what's important to my peers in the organization, to the success of the organization, and then aligning our IT initiatives to support that in, in having those relationships to partner through that. Um, I also would put a plug in, not just within our organizations, building those relationships, but outside the walls of your organization. Um, so as uh, three former, uh, we're three, three Chime members here and former chairs and current chair, um, those relationships really are important to build with your vendor partners, with um, peers in the organization, additional thought leaders, because that's going to help you continue to grow in your career. So I would also encourage uh, thinking about where those relationships are. Very good, Chuck. Um, you mentioned uh, something about physician practices. You were going to yep. tell us a little story. we got to hear that. Sure. When I was uh, down in Georgia, uh, as the senior vice president CIO of the of St. Francis uh, Health System, uh, I was gifted with uh, the, we were building a, a women's hospital and a cardiology cardiac hospital on our campus, and we were acquiring uh, OBGYN practices at a breakneck uh, pace. And I was uh, I was integrating uh, a practice a month in, into it, and the team struggled. And so 
I just, I finally got out of my office, you know, as like Tanya said, get out of IT and started rounding uh, in those practices. I also went down and had breakfast and lunch every day uh, in the physician's lounge. The hospital provided those meal services and the senior executives were able to go down because then you actually got to interact with the physicians, uh, not in a workplace, but over a meal. Uh, and there was a lot of other activities that we we were involved in in the community that we did together. But what I learned was it's, you know, in the physician practices, you know, you one would think is you need to make sure that, you know, you have conversation with the physician. Well, I will promise you that it is not the, the physician's not the primary person. It is his nurse. Uh, and then after that is the practice manager, then the physician. Because you make those first two people happy, the mm. physician's going to be happy because you remove the friction out of the, their, his, her life. Because if the nurse is having a bad day, the physician's going to have a bad day. And so, and I found that when I was, I would, you know, do my rounding to the practices and the, the, when the office manager saw me come in the back door, that she went and told the, the, the lead physician in that practice is I was in the building. Now, sometimes I didn't get to see them, but the next day or so, they would catch me in the lounge and tell me how much they appreciated my presence. Because when the rest of the team saw me, the senior vice president, walk in the back door to make sure and ask them, how's things going? Are we doing okay? What else can we do better? Then it, you know, just the presence was uh, far more important than anything could I say or do, because I wasn't able to do anything other than show up. Uh, because then I would learn and then, you know, give that direction and information to the team. And we were very, very successful in uh, getting those. Cause I actually had one physician who told me to my face, uh, you know, that he hated, he loved his current EMR and he hated the other one. A year later, he was the champion for that EMR because we spent the time, you know, getting him, letting him design it the way that it flowed for him. He was a, a, He'd been in practice uh, in Columbus for 30 years. He's still there delivering babies. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's all about how you go about being, as Cletus said, you know, you need to be the servant. Uh, you, if, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong damn room. Uh, <laughs> get out and, you know, you need to make sure that you're not because you're not, gonna, you're not going to learn uh, if you are the smartest person in the room. Very good. All right. Next question. Uh, Cletus, let's start with you. As an IT executive, how do you identify the key individuals you should build relationships with other than your direct reports and the person you report to? Is this uh, pretty simple or can it be a little more difficult? Does it depend on what your priorities or projects are at any one time? Or is there a general overview a CIO should have in a health system about the key individuals that they need to be on a first name basis with, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I look at this and again, this is another scenario, I put it in two camps, right? Um, I, I see as a, you know, somewhat recent CIO to Penn State, you know, one of the areas you do is you look at, you look for opportunities outside of IT and you also look for opportunities inside IT, exactly to what you just defined. And um, I can speak of my, um, my inside IT scenario first. Uh, I actually had one today. I, I, I established uh, what we call coffee with Cletus, right? Which is, I love an, it. yeah, it's a, it's, a, I've been doing it for years, but 
Here, unfortunately with COVID, we've turned to a virtual scenario, but I, I have a, a situation where I do a virtual forum with a small group of, of individuals and we, we really just get to know each other, right? To, to get to understand each other and other dynamics and other elements. And it's interesting as you do that, um, you know, you share digital coffee, right? You're doing it over online, but you get to understand the people who we are, almost what Chuck said, exactly what the, like the food situation is. So many great things can be happening over food um, and whether it's coffee. And, and the key here is getting to understand them and seeing exactly who are the individuals, what are the intentions. Sometimes there's, there's um, aspirations and other types of areas that you could also, you're in the back of your mind, okay, when something comes up down the road, hey, I know X who's able to potentially, who will be willing to do something like that. And I've, I've created, you know, some of these scenarios, whether it's, you know, putting in a comprehensive internship program by tapping into those resources that you go over, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis as I do those sessions. And, 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 and it's great. And, and guess what? You get to know your, your, your team, right? I have a pretty large team and, um, and it's not easy, you know, so I do the typical town halls and everything that you would see, but this is by far, you know, one of the most successful things that I think is, is pivotal. And exactly what Chuck said, going around, going to, whether it's the medical staff meetings or, you know, just going to other sites, your hospitals, while you're rounding, being able to identify those key people. I also have a story just really quickly, very similar to Chuck, where um, at one of my facilities, you know, years ago, we had a physician that was probably let's just say not a happy camper ever with everything. He was just known for not being a happy camper. And I, I personally took that as a challenge when we were rolling out an EMR. And, and I wanted to, I, my whole thing is rather than push that person aside, I wanted to bring that person in and being able to engage with this individual. I made this person the face of the EMR, of the physician practice of the EMR, you know, making sure that he was the, the, the voice, the champion, and hearing his concerns, and knowing that he was a high influencer to the rest of his colleagues, which some senior physicians are, as we all know, you know, I knew that if I can convince that person, then others, you know, the 80-20 rule, others would come in. And I remember one day where I, and I knew I hit the, hit the mark, is when my the CEO at the time where I was, he, he said to me, he said, hey, Cletus, what did you do to Dr. X? What do you mean? What are you talking about? It was the first time he ever saw that doctor smile. And that was a, and he, he realized that talking, making him a, a, a proponent, a, a face or an image was extremely transformational. And, and that's, those are some of the things that you need to do is tapping into not only your internal, but external partners in order to be successful. Cletus, do you recall if when you, so this person had a sort of a negative reputation, when you initiated the relationship, was he instantly not the person that you had been told he was, or did he take time? Was he that person? Well, yeah, he was, he was that person. So he was, so he initially, <laughs> he showed no interest in wanting to be friends with you. Oh, he hated me. <laughs> he hated me. He hated me. So this is really important. Yeah, Tell yeah. us how you sort of converted him, so to speak. With, with, with time, patience, and listening. Chuck, as you say, right? You know, uh, you, know you, you just one mouth, two ears, you know, that, just that philosophy. 
you listen, right? And as painful as you are, as CIOs, if you're not used to being in pain and hearing the criticisms, then you're in the wrong job. But listen and, and, and chip at those problems, right? Figure out how you can do it. Bring in the customer, bring in the EMR, bring in the people. You know, if you need to give them a couple of bones, give them a couple of bones. But that's how you go about chipping away at it. Now, was he still, he still disliked the organization, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was times he still, he still complained about the organization because he was one of those docs. But the point was, he still, when it came to the EMR, he became my champion. And I was extremely, I was, I was more than, you know, honored that we were able to change the dial there. Now, it doesn't always happen, but that was an example where it did happen successfully. Well, Tanya, this is an interesting point I want to continue with. So, you know, we said you don't you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You also have to, it sounds like, and this we've heard this forever, you have to, uh, I guess, not have any ego. You have to be able to stand there and be yelled at and be treated inappropriately, perhaps. And I don't mean inappropriately in a crazy way. I mean, just be treated in a way you might not appreciate, rudely. And you have to, as Cletus did, you got to take it and let me hear your problems, even though those problems may not be communicated in a way you like. I don't know about yelling or whatever, but you have to deal with that. Is that true? You can't be the kind of person that says, how dare you get out? Yeah, definitely. The the field that we're in, I find um, we understand it, but most don't. <laughs> and if they're not in IT, they... Uh, don't necessarily have an appreciation for the complexity of it. So we're in the business because we enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always worked in healthcare IT, so uh, kind of used to it now. And, and I still am very passionate about the field that we're in and the work that we do. But yeah, it just kind of comes with the territory. Um, but kind of, build, I guess, my perspective and a little bit of my story on this question. Um, and I, I have to steal the coffee with uh, Cletus. I think I'll have to do tea with Tanya. I love it. <laughs> that's love that's it. nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love uh, we, it. we can do chugging with Chuck, too. Chugging. So. Oh, there you go. That's even better. It's a meeting invite. Um, so my story here, and, and I think we've all kind of been through some of this with a lot of um, mergers and acquisitions in, in the industry, but so my organization has come together through mergers and acquisitions. Um, so anytime you're kind of moving the cheese on people and changing culture and changing the way you do things, that's just an additional challenge that you're dealing with. So um, we have six hospitals here and all of them have long, deep rooted histories of success within the community. And now we're bringing them together and changing everything up. So, uh, and of course, with me being the IT uh, leader, (laughs) that's where you start kind of as a foundation is bringing the technology together, standardizing systems, bringing in a new EMR. So of course I faced uh, a lot of skepticism with that both inside and outside of IT. Um, So a couple of things that I've done on the inside of IT side. So these are people that were independently operating their own IT departments. And now I told them to play nice in the sandbox. So uh, I do routine rounding and I call this uh, ACE. Actually, it's it's an acronym, but it's it's ACE IT. And it stands for tell us about your accomplishments, your challenges and what we're doing around engaging you as an employee. And how can we make this the best place to work? So I've been doing that um, routinely. We kind of adjusted to more of a virtual environment now, but I do meet with every single team member at least once a quarter and have that conversation that we can celebrate 
um, accomplishments and work through any challenges together. And then, of course, really taking those ideas and how we can be the best place to work and improving employee engagement. So that has been a, a key to um, getting the buy-in and support internal to IT. Um, outside of IT, there's a variety of things that we've done over the years, but probably the, the biggest thing that we do every year is engage the business in those key relationships to helping me build out the strategic plan for the next year. So what are the key objectives that they're focused on and how do we align and invite them to the table to make sure that we're focusing on those same things and helping us, helping them be successful and together, how can we be successful? Um, and then agree on the listening piece. But I also think trying to find the right venue to share results. So measure, share, communicate. So we're not just this um, black box behind the scenes. How do we really communicate all of those results and successes that we can celebrate together? Because um, I've had I've had a couple of those challenging relationships along the way too. And um, you kind of chip away at them. But the, the key to success, I think, there is co-leading and co-championing and co-presenting uh, those successes and results that seems to get um, the relationship a little bit warmer than mm -hmm. uh, somehow sometimes how it starts. Chuck, yeah. Well, I, I'll I'll tell you a, a story because uh, when you're talking about storytelling, I, yeah, I, I learned so much from my father. Unfortunately, it's taken me 40 years to figure out exactly what some of the things he was telling me. There, there are two things that my father told me that I, I was uh, that I have that I is my word and integrity. Uh, and no one can take either one of those away from me. I have to give them away. And if I give my, someone my word that I need to make sure I keep it. Uh, and if I give away my integrity, uh, it's something, you, you know, it's out of the box. You cannot get it back. So, the, you know, kind of the approach that I've taken is, you know, the, the two H's is, is honesty and humility. Uh, because uh, if you use the other H word, which is hubris, then uh, it's not going to come across, uh, you know, as as well as being humble. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, listening. Uh, I, I had two physicians uh, that one's still a good friend of mine. Other one, not so much. Uh, good doc. Uh, but, you know, I always felt like that when he started having a conversation with me and I'll air quote conversation is that I was, I was, the credits were already rolling in the movie. He'd already had this conversation in his head for 45 minutes and he just wanted me to execute on what he was telling me. Uh, and, uh, and we, we came to an understanding building that relationship and he was one of the physician leaders, but the other, other one that's still a friend of mine is, was an ER physician. Uh, he's now retired and he loved to chew on me. Uh, and I think that he, he was challenging me and trying to teach me something at the same time. And so he was the one that taught me how to listen, uh, not listen to debate, not listen to respond, but to listen to what I was being told, not only to what he was saying, but what he was not saying. You know, there's a lot of nonverbal stuff that goes on. Uh, Tom was, uh, I'm six foot tall. Tom was five, eight. And so every time I had a conversation with Tom, I sat down and he stood up and he was always, you know, towering over me, which I, that was fine because if I stood up and he was having to talk up to me and out of respect, I, I sat down, but 
after, you know, one day that we had made a change in the system that impacted him and his, and he also owned the, the ER physician practice. Uh, and it impacted them. So he called me down to his office in the emergency room. And he, uh, after about 30 minutes, I think he lost his breath. He couldn't speak anymore. And I finally asked him, said, so are you done? And he just stopped and he looked at me and he said, have a seat. So then we had a conversation. And so the, the emotion and the energy had to be expended first. And then we could get down. And if, if, if he had made me angry, then we wouldn't have had the conversation. We would have not had the relationship that we had. So you have to get past all of that because uh, uh, there was a, I have another story about Tommy in the emergency room. If we have time, I'll tell you, because I missed a cue that I should have seen. Uh, and so, uh, which is, was very important that almost destroyed that relationship. So, uh, but uh, those are the people that, you know, some, if, if you're, uh, you're open to conversation, uh, and you, you're, you're honest and you're humble, though, those people that you need to interact with will come to you. I fully believe, or they have for me anyway. So people have to know that you're approachable. When I took this position, I actually had some members of my team, you know, knock on my door. My door was always open and says, can we have a conversation? I said, sure. And he sat down, he says, I just want to make sure I'm not going to get fired for having this conversation. And I'm going, well, why would I fire you? He said, are you going to, you know, what, you know, what are you going to say? And he said, no, I just want to answer, ask some questions. I said, I don't know of anybody that's ever been fired for asking questions. He said, well, where I came from, you did. So anyway, so you have to be uh, approachable as well. All right. <clears throat> Very good. Very good. All right, Tanya, we're going to start with you. Um, let's say you identify a key individual and you need to build a relationship how do you begin? How do you go about it? And how do you maintain it? Now, you t we talked about some ways in general, coffee with Cletus, chugging with Chuck, tea with Tanya, <laughs> wonderful ideas. Um, but let's say it's a specific one-off. Let's say you have an individual in mind, you, you don't know them, they're new, you're new to the organization, whatever the case may be. What are your thoughts around how you go about doing that? There's, And we'll talk about this a little more, but you know, you have to be authentic about it. Right. And I mean, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a, a, a one answer for every situation or um, every person. Every, everyone probably has a little bit of a different style and how to approach it. So you kind of got to feel that out a little bit. But um, I usually start with, a, you know, the more formal, hey, you know, welcome. I'd really like to pick your brain about, you know, some of your ideas and objectives and, you know, just start the formal meeting and start there. Uh, and then you can kind of feel it out, but then try to move it to more of that infor informal conversation. You want to have lunch, uh, et, et cetera, and um, just try to build it from there and get a feel for what kind of um, what they're open to. So here we are in, in New Orleans. So we enjoy to uh, a lot of parties. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's that's often a, a nice way to, to um, invite someone to happy hour or, or chugging, I guess is what we were calling it. Chugging with Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with, so Mardi Gras is coming up here very shortly. We're very excited. We're going to have parades back and an opportunity to celebrate that uh, time of year here. So we have a couple of new executives that just joined the team over the last month. So as an executive team, we're going to have a party and uh, really invite them in New Orleans style. So, so it's it, like I said, there's really no one answer to it or one mm -hmm. approach to it, but feeling that out and um, not making it a one-time thing, but advancing the, the relationship wherever you can. 
And Chuck, uh, Tanya made a good point, which is it's got to be your style. You know, everyone's so we know the objective has to be to get to know people so we can accomplish work. But everyone's going to have a different style for doing that. And I think if you try and use someone else's style, it's not going to come off right. Yeah. Well, Anthony, you know me. I'm a demo country boy from Alabama. Okay, and that's all there is to it. Uh, That's that's it. And and I tell people that if you don't like the person standing in front of you, too bad. There's nobody else under my skin. So I am who I am. Now, sometimes I may say something that is stupid, which is okay because I'll I'll learn something. But uh, I think that uh, you know, part of our job as as leaders is not only to you know, a lot of the things I've talked about uh, is about dealing with the organization, and I, I, dealing is not really a good term, but working with the organization, working with leaders in order to get work done. But I think, you know, one of the, the key things, me being a, 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 an executive and a leader, is to um, create relationships with the people that I need to raise up in the organization, whether they're on my team or somebody else's team. I've I've mentored uh you know, quite a few folks, uh, not only in my own organizations, but, you know, through former programs and informal programs. I still have a, a young man that lives in Columbus that took a different career path. Uh, he interviewed for a job in, on my team, didn't get it uh, because the, the two ladies he was going to be working for ate him alive in the interview. And he actually locked up. Uh, I mean, he couldn't talk. Uh, and so, you know, really nice guy. And so, uh, I've been mentoring him now for, I guess, six or seven years, whenever he you know gets into the thing. So building those relationships to elevate other people. Uh, I mean, I, I saw, um, I, I don't know who it was, if it was David, uh, Daniel Barchi or one of the other mm-hmm. folks listed out the number of people that had worked for him that had elevated and become senior leaders in other organizations. I think that's a, that's a great metric. Uh, about your ability to build relationships and people to, to trust you. So uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm still a dumb old country boy from Alabama, and I still talk like one, too. So. And we love you for it. I think I speak for everyone on the panel and maybe a few people in the audience. I can't speak for all of them. <laughs> well, but, I'm getting texts. You know, everybody yeah. uh, chugging with Chuck. Yeah. So, so, uh, everyone wants I, to go. Yeah. I, I, I had one offer to start it, you know, start getting the T-shirts printed. So, uh, <laughs> Cletus, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I would like to just kick off um, and uh, jump off where Chuck was saying. Um, you know, one of my, uh, what I consider one of my biggest uh, accomplishments was to see, you know, one of my leaders that used to work for me, move on and become a CIO for a system and recently became the COO and then the CEO um, that for a system in New York. And, you know, to me, that, that should be the culmination of what we are here to do is to generate leaders, right? And, and even if it keeps on going, um, you know, all that individual's, you know, um, effort, but I, I like to think that's what we should be doing. Now, going back to the, the original question about building relationships, um, you know, what I just gave you an example is, again, another internal version. Now, the external piece, when I find key individuals um, to, to really partner with, I, I offer to do one-on-ones with them, no different than I would do with any other, with my boss or with my staff. 
And that can be sometimes a little weird, right? Because you have to, you know, I find that when you're, you're doing one-on-ones with leaders and others, <laughs> there tends to be some kind of um, gravity towards, well, I think I can basically get this person to kind of report to me, you know, and yet your ego has to change, right? Going back, it all goes back to that ego, right? You have to let it go, right? You have to be able to say, you know, when you're doing this kind of one-on-ones and so that you can have, whether it's quarterly, um, every couple of months or whatever it is, monthly is probably a little bit too much, but um, it, it, uh, it creates a level of, of information sharing with the colleagues that you've identified. And, and it helps move and remove some of the confusion that may occur between divisions. Is that sometimes you see that? So I I make sure one you know my my main concern is always connecting with the CFO right as an IT knowing that we're across you know uh, <laughs> we we cross draining you know uh, uh, expense uh, in department um, and you know I remain aligned with uh, supply chain finance and CFO but other areas as well such as other areas of of virtual health or or um, you know some other service lines that we have, oncology and others, I create these connections that we consistently um, will connect, will, will communicate with each other and making sure we're, we remain aligned. So um, again, you would have to navigate a little differently, right? For each one, um, some good, some not so, and you just got to deal with it. But again, uh, if you haven't heard the common theme, it's about ego management, and it's usually managing your own ego is part of the, this construct. So Cletus, just to, just to be clear, you said you, you're, you like these one-on-one, requesting these one-on-one meetings, and you said that some people um, may not like to do this because in a way you're submitting yes, to that other person. You're, taking, yeah, you're, you're humbling yourself. You're, humbling you're yourself. saying, can I meet with you? And you can't have an ego there, otherwise you won't do that. And you should do these because they're effective, correct? Correct. All right. Very good. Excellent. Okay. Um, I think this is really important. So I want to talk about this. And Tanya, I want to start with you on this. We all want our work relationships to fit into a certain level of familiarity. No more and no less, like the Goldilocks thing, right? Um, How do we avoid transgressing someone's comfort zone? And how do we keep from your, how do you keep from your comfort zone being transgressed? So there's a lot, a lot going on here right so we want to build relationships we talk about requesting meetings we talk about parties we talk about mardi gras we talk about different things some things we're talking about are not during work hours you know we're doing these to build a relationship we may have good intentions you could have an individual that says i go home and i'm with my family so i'm not going to your party i'd love to work with you but i'm not going to your party so i've talked you know we hear a lot of executives say there's almost they speak as if there's almost no limit to the degree these relationships should go into the personal realm right it should be everyone should be best friends to me i'm not sure about that and i'm not sure certain individuals may have some boundaries so the question is as you go about wanting to establish relationships how do you make sure you're respectful and you're not sort of in your mind requiring someone to do certain things they don't they're just not feel like getting that familiar. So Tanya, what are your thoughts? Yes, it's a tough one. Again, I I don't think it's a a single answer. You really got to navigate everyone individually. But um, 
I guess I'll kind of tell a story to a similar story to what Chuck said around making sure it's not the physician necessarily that you need to make keep happy, but really understanding their nurse is who's going to help you make, help them be happy. So um, early on in my career, probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten from one of my mentors was to um, become best friends with the executive assistants, particularly for those uh, relationships that you're trying to build, because oftentimes those folks are their best friends uh, and manage the calendars of, the, of, of those folks. So great advice. So um, that, that's something that I've always tried to really hone in on is understanding that relationship and who's managing the calendar and, and start to get to know them. Who will all, Once you have a relationship with those folks, they'll probably help you understand the um, specific style or um, approaches with whoever that is you're trying to build the relationship with. Cletus, any thoughts? I, I don't really have much more to add regarding, you know, again, uh, I think Tanya covered it well. We just need to continue to um, look at what the customer wants, right? And, you know, you don't need to be friends with everybody. You don't need to know everybody's, it would be good to know people's family's name and, and, and get to know and connect with each other outside of that. But knowing that, um, not everybody is, you know, we know we have different types of personality types. Not everybody likes going to parties. Not everybody likes doing one-on-ones. You have to get to know your customer and the customer being your, that executive or whoever you're trying to um, make sure you're aligned with and, and manage accordingly, right? I know I'm sounding somewhat ambiguous, but everybody's unique to what Tanya said, right? Everybody's different. Um, some people like to party and they, they, you know, you can meet them at the bar and, and do some chucking, chucking with Chug, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know chug, chugging with Chug, you can do that. Or, you know, you can, you just kind of, you know, a brief conversation. It's, it's a, that one's, this question is very interesting because there's so many different personalities. It's very difficult to figure it out and have a overarching answer. So it's, it's, everything is unique. Chuck, can you be an effective leader if you're not interested in being friends with everybody and going out and hanging out? Can you still be an effective leader if maybe you have tighter boundaries? Well, I mean, I guess I'm an example of that. Uh, I I believe that you need to be friendly. Uh, I also believe that it it can be misconstrued uh, that you know, I'm, on my team, I've got about 150 people that report up through my organization. There, I've got some key people that, you know, I strategize with, that I work with, uh, and one or two of them that I've gone and played golf with. I wouldn't classify myself as friends, but everybody else watches. And so you have to be careful about having uh, the, you know, and I'm going to use the word teacher's pet, uh, because uh, it it puts them at risk as well. And so, the other thing, too, is uh, I was going to say is relationships change. I had the pleasure of working with originally a young man who was the internal auditor. Uh, we, uh, he and I did a, um, a, a turnaround in patient accounting and totally changed the, the landscape. It was a quality improvement initiative between the internal auditor and IT and, and others uh, to drive uh, days in AR down, which we did. And that young man today is the president of that organization. He moved up to a vice president, to the CFO, to the CEO. 
our relationship, even though we're still friends, it, it changed over the course of time because I reported to him for 18 years. He taught me how to play golf. Uh, and, you know, well, he won't admit it because I don't play that well. But uh, uh, so you have to be uh, willing to let those relationships modify over over time. But, you know, uh, I never had dinner at his house. He never had dinner at mine. Uh, we, we went to the golf course every once in a while. We played racquetball. Um, after I had my uh, heart attack, we played racquetball almost every day at lunch, but that was his routine that he asked me to come and play because he needed, knew I needed to rehab. So I think you have to, you know, you have to be a good enough judge of, of human character to know when somebody at what level people want to engage. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, we were talking, you know, kidding around before we uh, got online is, um, you know, some people, you also need to understand that some people may be intimidated by your position or your supposedly statue in the industry uh, and won't engage with you until they realize that you're, you know, you put your pants on just like everybody else does one leg at a time. Uh, and that you need to be once again approachable. So I, I think we need to be aware of that uh, as we you know work with our relationships. All right, very good. My favorite section here. I want to see what the panel comes up with. Chuck, I'm going to go to you first. You have a question for one or both of your co-panelists. Well, I just I just want to know what Tanya's going to do for Mardi Gras. No, I'm just just kidding. <laughs> I've got some good friends that uh, I work with in Columbus that. I always kept their house in New Orleans, so I'm jealous. Uh, I love New Orleans, uh, and uh, but you know, I, I guess the question I would have is, you know, because uh, Tanya's in New Orleans, Cletus is in Pennsylvania, I'm in Indiana, and so I would bet you a nickel to a donut that uh, that the the challenges we have with relationships are the same, regardless of region. Uh, we've all uh, you know sat in the CIO seat. Uh, and at different size organizations, I've had the pleasure of being in, in now in three organizations uh, that are of varying size. And so uh, it, I guess the question, I know, Tanya, you, you came from uh, Michigan and Cletus, I know where you came from, uh, which is in the in the New England area. Has have you noticed that the, the, the need for relationships has changed as you've changed organizations or has it has it stayed pretty constant and the other add on to that question i feel like i'm now in the press corps asking questions is That's right uh you know has what you learned in your previous organization helped you uh in in the one you're in now cletus let's go to you first oh, oh, oh that's good um so so yeah there's it's very interesting so chuck yeah you know coming from new york going to western new york and then you know in essence down to pa uh, I, I, there is definitely a regional element that I've seen associated to how um, one needs to navigate um, the, the, the attitude from New York City has, is, is definitively, uh, <laughs> although it could be, you know, somewhat, somewhat uh, rude, uh, hey, personality. Watch it. I'm in New Jersey. You better watch it. Yeah. New York. I'm doing through Sony. But the thing is, no, my point is it's rougher, right? It's the New York state of mind. But as I moved to Western New York, you know, it became Western New York nice. Now it's PA nice, right? Central PA nice. And 
And I say the whole concept of nice, I realize that um, personalities, you know, and people you talk to and how you manage people has changed. Um, as you go into different regions, they don't want that, you know, if you give feedback to, to people in, in certain regions, they take it as if you're almost cursing at them, right? And, and, and you have to be very mindful of your approach because of the sensitivity that everything is not equal there. So I've, I've navigated differently because of the regionality component associated and knowing that, you know, all things are not equal because there's, if, if, you, if you critique somebody in central Pennsylvania of, of, of you know, work, they're taking it as with pride and they, 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 they don't see, you know, you're, wait a minute, you're attacking me, you're attacking my, so I had to change my approach significantly, although I knew some of that at Western New York. So it's a very interesting dynamic, Chuck, as you asked that question, but um, yeah, I, I do think there's different navigation approaches, regional. Anya? Yeah, um, so I came, I went, I was from Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I went from Wisconsin to New Orleans. Um, so fortunately, culture wise, there's a lot of similarities, believe it or not. We're all about our football teams. We're all about our food. And uh, I, I guess beer is pretty common too between Wisconsin <laughs> and New Orleans. Um, and personality wise, very, very similar too, in terms of we're very nice, um, very, in fact, uh, one of my early experiences when I got here was LSU played the Badgers in Green Bay at Lambeau. So I had a whole swarm of folks from New Orleans going up to Green Bay for this party. And it was just the merging and gelling of two very wonderful personalities. So I've been really fortunate to feel like I haven't had to um, navigate various different styles. Um, I have spent some time on the East Coast, though, and I agree with what Cletus is saying. Uh, around just different personalities in, in the different regions. But um, what probably I, from a work experience standpoint, um, my prior organizations were further along in the whole integrated delivery network journey. They had been longstanding organizations. So really had um, a maturity about that and how decisions were made and how we operate as an organization. So here it was basically starting from scratch pulling these organizations together and starting a culture. Um, so, so I had to learn to be patient with some of that and that, you know, this is how this always was in my past and it was pretty simple and it's how things were. So now I had to kind of take a step back and, and, and wait uh, and, and be a little bit more patient and not be too aggressive about why aren't we doing this already uh, kind of things. But th that would be my, the differences in my experience. Very good. Cletus, do you have a question for one or both of your co-panelists? Yeah, yeah, again, I'm piggybacking on Chuck's point. How have you then navigated over the last two years as COVID has, in my opinion, been transformational of how we, you know, work, but not only just working, but communicating and establishing those relationships? How have you navigated differently knowing where we are with COVID? Chuck? Well, it's a great question, Cletus. Uh, I, you know, the question is, is for me, is you know, have I been successful? Uh, because I, we spend, a, I spend a lot of time doing this, uh, and uh, I'm one of the guys that you know that you, you know, in teams you have all these circles. Uh, I'm the guy in the, on camera, uh, uh, and make sure that the light coming in the window doesn't bounce too much off my head and blind everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, and so uh, I mean, I think we have to be more uh, for 
right uh, with those communications. Uh, my team knows that, you know, uh, you know, I'm not the boss. Uh, I'm the one that's responsible. Uh, but it takes all of us to to get there. And so I have to be more, uh, you know, forthright to, you know, reach out to do that communications. And fortunately, we've, we've got, you know, the uh, the variety of communication uh, platforms for us to use. And unfortunately, the many times I've got, I'm on a headset with a Teams call, and then I've got somebody texting me on my phone, somebody calling me on my phone, and then my uh, office phone rings here on my computer, on my soft phone as well, then I've got somebody chatting me over here. So it's a good thing and it's an evil thing at, at the same time. But I think that, uh, you know, you can be as present virtually as you are in your office. And the thing I miss about uh, not being in the office uh, as often as we used to be is I had a lot of people that just drove by, you know, you know, kind of the walk by. A couple of guys on my team are woodworkers like me. Uh, I've got, you know, one, one of the gentlemen is an Eagle Scout. Uh, I'm not an Eagle Scout, but I love to hear about how he's working with the young people for that. So you come by and tell me about, you know, some of the the things are working. So it's it's when you build those relationships, people are going to come by and have those personal or, or somewhat personal conversations with you. So it's, but we're doing it, uh, but not as often, you know, it's, uh, uh, and, and so I, I think you have to be more, uh, uh, it has to be top of mind that I, I need to intentional. connect. Yeah, so, intentional. intentional. That's my yeah. word. Like I said, I'm just a demo country boy from Alabama, so I learned a new one today. So, uh, listen, Tanya, I'm not going to have time for for you to answer that question. But what I want to do is, uh, we're almost out of time. I want to give everyone a chance uh, for a final comment. And here's how what I want you to be thinking about: uh, We've all talked about doing a lot of things, about going around and meeting with people, and having open doors and all that. We all know that time is the only absolute constraint we have. You can't make more of it, and we're all busy people probably you three a little more than me, but you know, that's the way it is. So my question is, how do you, how are you structuring your time? How do you know how much time to devote to this as opposed to other things? There are many people, I'm sure there are some people, CIOs who would say, I don't have time for this. I can't do any of this stuff. I just don't have any time. Uh, but obviously, it's important to find time. So any advice you can give there to your colleagues on uh, making time for this, how to make time for this, how to do it perhaps efficiently, and uh, that type of thing. So Tanya, let's start with you. Sure. I guess I'll go back to um, some comments said earlier around leadership development and empowering those um, around you and that you can mentor. So I'd like to think that's something I do well in terms of I'm not a micromanager. Uh, I, I make time for for my reports, um, but they know they know exactly what the direction is, and then they um, in, appreciate and enjoy that they're not micromanaged. They're very empowered to do their jobs, which then frees up my time. Mm -hmm. So um, so I'm not necessarily uh, in meetings all day, you know, on weedy issues, etc. I really trust them, and they do a great job, and so it, it really does free up my time to do the things that. I like to do build the relationships that uh, need some time and and uh, get involved with other um, learning. So that's I, a I, great point. That's a great point. Is that if if you are, I think, completely harried and have no time, look at some of the things you're involved in and see if you really need to be in there and perhaps extract yourself. Right, Tanya. Yeah. Yep. Very good. All right, Cletus. 
And you know, the time piece, I'm going to be very honest. I'm not very good at that. I come from a different era where, you know, I, I would maximize and I'll continue to work. And I, I realize I don't really take advantage of the work-life balance. I have since understood, you know, over the last few years that my expectations are different than others. And in people are watching me, right? My, my leaders are watching me and they're emulating that. So I'm doing a, a really uh, pointed effort to try to change that approach of, of you know, using things like Viva, uh, Microsoft to give me focus time and, you know, being able to do that and not take as much meetings, right? Mm-hmm. And distribute it as much. So I think I'm learning um, and I'm just being very transparent that um, this is a new era of work-life balance that I didn't grow up on. So I'm trying to figure it out and, and then trying to make sure that I meet our teams where they are in this, in this new environment. So you have a tendency to have no balance and just work 10, 10 hours a day. And it's easy with the technologies, right? Yeah. You'd never yeah. be off. At, at home, on the weekends, on vacations. And now I'm being intentional, back to that, right. to, to unplug in order to do that because people are watching and I need to make sure that I realize I'm pressuring them by doing uh-huh. so this a learning lesson for me. We're a great point. Excellent point. Chuck, we're going to give you the last word. Thanks. I, I'll give you a, a couple of things. Don't don't ask that question to my wife because she tells me now that I don't uh, work at home. I live at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so I'll, I'll give you another one of my dad's stories. My my dad was a sheet metal journeyman and a welder. He worked uh, for Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company for 43 years. And so uh, I always wondered my, when I got out of high school, I asked my dad to get me on at Goodyear. I won't give you his exact words, uh, but he said no. Uh, and I, you know, he used some other colorful language beforehand. He said, if you want to screw up your life, you go get it yourself. I raised <laughs> you to use your mind not your back. Uh, and so, uh, I did, I went to college, went into medical, medical, uh, field in radiology uh, and I, you know, I always wondered who the smarter person was, uh, because now I got got into management. I, I, I lost my mind and got into uh, IT and informatics, uh, and you know, got to thinking about it. When my dad was at work, he was at work. When my dad wasn't at work, he wasn't at work. Uh, and but I'm always at work. I mean, just like the other folks on the panel today, is we're always thinking about work, whether we think we're thinking about it or not. And so uh, I have a wood shop. I build things for my wife. Uh, I'm learning how to, uh, I, I used to paint uh, and do uh, art. Uh, I'm, I'm picking that back up. I laid it down for 30 years. And so I'm picking it back up again uh, and learning some tools and techniques. So I think you have to be, as Cleta said, intentional uh, with your time. So. Well, that was tremendous. Uh, we're out of time regarding continuing education. You could use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording is ready. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team, and you can go to our website to register for upcoming panels. I want to thank our panel. This was tremendous conversation. Chuck Christian, Cleta Searle, Tanya Townsend, and I want to thank you, our attendees. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.